So this past summer, I had the opportunity to take a trip with Nicole. Uh, we went, just the two of us, we went to the Netherlands together. And uh, that was pretty much the highlight of, of my summer, to be able to go over there with her. And uh, we got to explore the countryside and see some of the different cities over in the Netherlands. And we just had a great time together, looking at some historical sites and, and some uh, different museums and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we got to go to you know quaint little things that she liked and historical things that I liked, and it was... It was fantastic. Uh, we even got to see some of Nicole's uh, kind of personal family history. Her dad is the first one that was born here in the States. And so uh, we had the opportunity to uh, rent a car one day and drive up to uh, the northern part of the country called Friesland and to see the town that her grandfather and then the town that her grandmother grew up in and the farm that they had together and uh, before they moved over to the States. And it, it was fantastic. And, and as fun as those things were, that wasn't even the favorite part of the trip for me. Uh, the favorite part of the trip for me was some cultural differences that we found out between the United States and the Netherlands, and probably some other countries as well. Uh, you see, when you go out to eat here in the States, it seems like you go to the restaurant and you sit down and you order your meal, and then they bring you your meal, you pay your check, and then they kind of look at you like, it's time to go. Right, Because someone else has to come and take your seat. The waitress or waiter needs to make some more money. And you know the tips need to happen. And so you just kind of feel uncomfortable. People describe it this way. Uh, we eat to live. It, basically, we do the meal so that we can get on with the rest of our life and keep moving. Uh, there, when you go to a restaurant and you sit down, it's expected you're pretty much staying the night. They, they really don't have plans for other people to come and hang out and take your seat. And it's so weird. It's so uncomfortable for us at first because we're sitting there and we're just like, are they ever going to bring the check? You know, is it just because we're Americans? Is this, what's, what's going on here? And so we figured out we had to go and ask for the check when eventually we wanted to leave. But it became the thing that we looked forward to the most over the course of the day because just sitting at the table and sitting across from my wife, it's like I rediscovered getting lost in her eyes again. You know, just those moments of having that conversation where you're just like, oh, man, I could sit here forever. And, and, and so basically they say over there we live to eat, that, that community, that time. Uh, and, and you rediscover the preciousness of the gift that God has given you in, in your spouse. It, it, it was fantastic. Christmas season can kind of be like that. Uh, the patterns of life and the things that we have to do and the hurts and, and all those things that just keep coming one after another can drown out the glory of the gift. The patterns of the season can drown out the glory of the gift. I want to take just a few moments this morning and look back at the story in Luke between the angels and the shepherds in chapter 2. And so if you'll join me there. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. What do we know about these shepherds? They were out watching their flocks. 
Uh, we kind of almost romanticize being a shepherd when we look back in the Bible. We see, you know, King David was a shepherd, the Psalm 23, uh, you know, God's our shepherd, um, the, the, the nativity scene, all those kind of things. But actually, in Jesus' day and age, those shepherds were kind of a despised class of people. They were looked down upon by the rest of society. They were outcasts. Uh, their, their honesty, their integrity was so questionable that they weren't even allowed to give testimony in the court of law. They were peasants located at the bottom rung of power and prestige. Some historians think that these shepherds that, uh, that is referred to here in the book of Luke, uh, they were watching a flock, or the, the flock of sheep that they were watching was meant for temple sacrifices, which was ironic because they were pretty much ceremonially unclean for long periods of time because they were out in the wilderness. They were brave, earthy people. Uh, shepherds were not easily fooled. They were practical men who had little to do with fantasy. Isn't it interesting that God chose hardworking men to first reveal the message to? It wasn't the politicians. It wasn't the religious leaders. It wasn't the scholars. It wasn't the wealthy. It was hardworking men. The first angel pops onto the scene. I don't know if you can picture that in your head, a dark, quiet night sitting around the fire, and then all of a sudden an angel appears. And the scripture says the glory of the Lord shone around him. It was incredibly bright. And the shepherds were afraid. The NIV translates it, they were terrified. I don't know if you've ever been scared. I'm, and not just like scared looking forward to the future, but in that moment where you're just freaked out, scared, where something happens and you just wilt or you shrink or you scream or you just, <gasps> that moment, you go back to that quiet night, sitting around the fire, maybe having a conversation, maybe tossing some rocks back and forth, and then all of a sudden, what? What, what do you think their first thought was? Oh man, we're dead, right? Uh, we're done for. We are goners. Now, if these men who were used to being out at night, who were used to protecting the flock from predators, who were used to danger, were terrified, it gives you a glimpse of the scene. And it also makes sense of why the angel says what he says in the next verse. The angel said to them, fear not. What a great intro to men who are terrified. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You see, when joy comes, fear leaves. Fear leaves. The two don't exist together. When joy enters the scene, fear exits the scene. Uh, the angel says, instead of having great fear, we're, you're to have great joy. That always kind of makes me giggle when I, when I read that, great joy. Because joy is one of those words that can stand alone. When you say, hey, I have joy, people totally know what you're talking about. It's, it, it's a descriptor in and of itself that just can stand alone. But Every once in a while, every once in history, there's, there's a moment that joy just isn't enough. And the angel taps on a, a qualifier. Great joy, colossal joy, incredible joy. He wants you to know 
oh man, something amazing has taken place. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you fearful or joyful? Are you fearful or joyful today? Do you have great fear in your heart or great joy? Look again at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Let me ask the question a different way. Is this good news to you? Is this good news to you? The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. Does it seem good to you? Or is there other news in your life right now? That is drowning out the good news. That is smothering that joy. I know this about Christmas. When I was a kid, I always thought it was the happiest time of the year. But as an adult, and especially as being a pastor, I, uh, my eyes have been opened that for some, it's the loneliest. It's the saddest. It's the most fearful time of the year. Are you fearful today? Perhaps uh, there's a fight going on between you and a friend. Uh, perhaps you're worried about a loss of a relationship. Uh, there's employment issues that are hanging over your head. There's a medical diagnosis that you're just still trying to wrap your mind around. There's decisions that your kids are making that it's just, oh man. Perhaps the marriage is just hanging on by a thread. The angel's message is central to us today. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy. Notice the words the angel uses to describe the baby there. Savior. It's a Hebrew word meaning rescuer. Christ. A Greek word meaning the anointed one or the chosen one. Lord. A Greek word that just refers to God himself. And so Jesus was to be our rescuer, the anointed one, God himself, the one who brings peace between us and God. And so the question for us this morning is, will we live under the fear of our circumstances or will we live under the great joy of the good news of Jesus Christ? Christ who comes uh, to redeem his people for his own possession, to clothe us in light, to remove shame from us. Which will you choose this season? Look what happens next with the angels. Verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, not only when joy comes, fear leaves, but when joy comes, worship starts. Worship starts. Consider the shepherds. Their work made them ceremonially unclean, and yet their lives change here to a posture of worship. We see that in two ways. The first is they, in terms of obedience. 
Uh, read with me verse 15. It says this, When the angels went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem, and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in the manger. That obedience turns to praise in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You see, they're no longer focused on their situation, but they join the angels in praise. Uh, They're no longer focused on their status, but they join the angels in celebration. They're no longer focused on their job, but they join the angels in worship because of this great gift that God has given mankind and the fact that he chose to reveal it to them. Their only response is worship. May may we be like the shepherds and join the angels in worship because of what God has done. Will you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful for this incredible gift of your son, the peacemaker, the king, our savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. In your name, Jesus, pray these things. Amen.